My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is Allie Worthington. Allie Worthington is an amazing woman. She is the author of Breaking Busy, a speaker and the executive director of one of my favorite organizations, Propel Women. I love this about her. So we highlight heroes on this show, obviously, like positive women who are out there living out their purpose and just following the Lord and serving others. And no matter what Allie's doing, her goal is to help women live the life they were created to live. She lives right outside of Nashville with her husband, Mark, and five sons. God bless her. And I am so honored and excited to welcome Allie to the show. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. That was a lovely intro. I always love it when someone does an intro of me because I sound way fancier than I am in real life. Don't you love that? Like, here's all my professional (laughs) accolades and aren't you impressed? Let me just read off this list of things that I've accomplished. (laughs) Whoever that woman is, she sounds great. I know. Everybody get ready to listen to her. So you live right outside of Nashville. We just took a trip there a couple months ago. I had never been there before and we stayed a couple nights in Franklin and then the rest of the time like kind of outside downtown Nashville. Are you from there originally? No, originally I'm from East Tennessee. And my husband and I, we we got married in East Tennessee and we lived all over the country. We've lived in Memphis and we've lived in New England and South Florida. We've lived everywhere with his job. But when our kids reached a certain age, we knew we really wanted to settle down. And we found Middle Tennessee to be just absolutely wonderful. So we love it here. We, We definitely don't want to leave. We've been here almost nine years. Oh, that's so cool. So you have five boys. What is it like being in the house and just being the only girl there? Well, it's funny. It's all I know. I mean, when I when the doctor first told me I was having a boy the first time, I was shocked. I didn't have any brothers. I didn't have any siblings growing up. So I couldn't even wrap my brain around what life with a boy would be like. So it's really funny. But it's just me and the dog. We're the only girls in the house. (laughs) But it's really quite lovely. Raising boys is a lot of fun. I mean, generally, if you give them a hug and tell them you love them and feed them and discipline them, it's pretty easy. Like as long as you don't mind dirt or body function jokes or the fact that the whole house will smell bad and you'll step on Legos for years, other than that, oh yeah, as long as you really don't like great. that, it's, it sounds like that's not irritating at all, and you can just <laughs> let go of that every time you step on a Lego and like cringe and jump around the house with one foot. <laughs> well, it's funny. I get used to it, and I don't realize like, you know, I guess it's like the frog in the boiling water. I don't realize how crazy my house is until someone else comes over and goes, "Whoa!" Yeah, they're is... like horrified. <laughs> yeah, and it, and here's the thing. It's the difference between what I've learned with a man and a woman. So for years, my husband worked and I took care of the home and the family. And people would come over and I'd be very apologetic if there was one speck of dust, right? Well, now I work and my husband takes care of the home and the family. And people will come over and he'll be like, hey, come on in. Let's hang out. Excuse the mess. I'm in charge of cleaning and I don't do it that much. <laughs> so, just own that. <laughs> like, he just owns it and nobody else cares. So it's just, it's funny just the way, the way we go about things from a, a different perspective. 
So cool. So so I was on your Instagram and I may not follow you. I just I'm very encouraged by you and it's just neat to kind of follow the journey and the things that your family's up to. And I know you just took the boys. I think it was after Thanksgiving to see the movie Moana in the theater. Yes. That was like my favorite post of recent. Just you you cut you gave like the boys reviews and their ages and what they thought about the movie. And I just thought that was hilarious. Well, it's so fun to do, and I love to give their ages. So everybody, you know, that has kids that wants to know, like, what's what's a six, what's an eight-year-old boy going to think about this, or an eighteen-year-old boy. So I think it's really fun just to give their perspective because who knows? Like, some movies look great, but when you take a large family, half of your kids just won't like it. So I do. I think it's fun. They very rarely will all five of them go see a movie with me and very rarely will all five of them love it. But man, they love that movie. My, my oldest who's 18, not only liked it and he never likes cartoons, he has since taken a girl to go see it. No, and he did so, not like on a so date. He, yes. He's seen it twice. <laughs> <That's amazing>. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And all their reviews were so different, but they, they were all super positive reviews. I love it. And yep. two, you never know what you're getting to because you got boys and it's like, so it's sort of, you know, cartoon musical theater. So you're like, is this going to be fine? Right. Yeah. So no. Funny. And it was, it was the best. Well, I love, I love that we get to talk about boys a little bit. It's so refreshing, mm-hmm. I think, because most of our listeners are the moms and, and dads of daughters. And we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, how do we impact the next generation of girls and what are they dealing with? And I love, I love getting just this perspective of, of what is it like with all these boys in the house and how is it so different? But I want to, just to, to get us right to the heart of, of why I'm so excited for you to be on the show. The book that you wrote was released earlier this year, back in January. And so people can find it if you're searching Amazon or just, just on the internet. The whole title is Breaking Busy, How to Find Peace and Purpose in a World of Crazy. And I think in sort of a superficial mom way, I probably don't need to ask you why you wrote this book. Like every mom can relate to just feeling overworked and overscheduled and having so much to do. Even if you have one child, like me, I have a two and a half year old daughter. But will you talk a little bit about just the heart behind the reason for this book? Why did you want to focus on these two things? I think that the two topics that that spoke really, really powerfully to me were finding peace and then finding purpose in this crazy world and those those two things. So we just talk a little bit about the genesis, where the idea came from, and why you felt called to write the book. Sure, sure. It's really an interesting story. It all came from one day me looking at my husband and trying to convince him that we should sell everything we own and take our family in an RV and like live off the land except for Starbucks and Wi-Fi because I was so burnt out. And him being, you know, the average guy said, well, we're not going to do that. But you know what, I'm kind of burnt out too. So we started looking at our life and to try to figure out why we're so busy and what to cut back on. And when I had the idea later to write the book, I was like, oh, well, this is easy. Like, I love research. I'm going to find every time management thing and find a five-step process to break this busy cycle. And what I learned was time management is not new. There's really nothing new under the sun in terms of managing a schedule, much to everyone's dismay. If that's what everyone needed, we wouldn't all still be so burnt out, right? Mm -hmm. And what I discovered was the reason we're all so busy, it's a heart issue. We are not busy because we don't know how to manage our time. We're busy because we're not great with boundaries. We don't like saying no. Most women in our hearts, secretly feel like it's almost a sin to disappoint other people. Mm. And because we're living out of a place where we don't feel like we're enough, in a culture that says you have to do more, you have to be more, you have to achieve more to be enough, we're driving ourselves crazy 
feeling like we're not enough, feeling like we're never living up to what we should, feeling like we're letting people down, and all at the same time kind of feeling like a fraud because we're not doing better than we already should. So I wanted to just take a look at all of these reasons behind why we're in the predicament we're in and kind of break them down like communication, relationships, all the little things in our lives where where we get busy and things get out of whack and give everyone kind of a step-by-step process of how to tackle it. But nothing as superficial as here's how to manage your calendar. I mean, that's that's a little bit in there, but really the real reasons behind it and then how to tackle it in a pretty clear way, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. I think the one the one that speaks to me, I think the most just in this season of my life is saying no to people. Like it hurts my feelings to say no to them. Oh, yeah. if, they're, if they're making a request and it seems reasonable, regardless of what I have going on, my brain just instantly defaults to, can I make that work for them? Not, is that the best thing for me to be taking on at this moment? Totally. And I think for me, my little kick in the pants with that is because I have so many children and I also have a pretty strenuous job it helps me be able to be like, I know my capacity and I just have to say no. But in other seasons of my life, I haven't been there. I mean, I still, almost every time I walk in the church building, they want me to work in the toddler room. And God bless them. It's just, it's not going to be good for me or those toddlers, right? Like, <laughs> totally. That's me right now too. I'm like, if I, yeah. if I worked Sunday school in the season of life we're in right now, we'd have to be at church for about six hours. Right. And I've got, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, she's got to eat. She's got a nap. Like all these things have to happen. It's not going to be a good choice. But you feel you feel guilty for not helping. Well, and the thing is, when you are a woman who has a relatively high capacity, like you want to take things on, you like helping other people, you're somebody that everyone looks to and goes to, Mm. you automatically say yes. But if all the high capacity people out there in the world always say yes, the people who are actually called to take on more in their lives but they're a little bit slower to say yes. They're a little unsure of themselves. They're not going to volunteer. They're going to need to be asked. If all of these high capacity people keep saying yes to our own detriment, we're never giving anybody else a chance to step into the calling that God has for them. And I love that transition too, because it's not so much about finding personal peace. It has everything to do with opening yourself up to those opportunities where God is asking you to step in, step out, take hold of something that he he wants you to be doing. He wants you to be approaching someone. He wants you to, you, you know, there are there are things that God has laid out for each of us that just can't get done in this world unless we give ourselves the opportunities to, to truly step in. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. How did you see that play out in your own life? So, I mean, you've got five boys, you've got, you know, you're busy at work. How do you carve out ways to make sure that you're following what the Lord's telling you to do, that you're, I mean, obviously like there's time and I'm sure you have quiet time and you're reading the Bible, but how do you carve out like moments and opportunities to just sit with the Lord and and say, am I, am I going the right direction, Lord? Am I giving you enough space to work the work that you want to do in me? And how does that play out in just your everyday life? Well, God's so funny with me, whether I give him time or not, he tends to use other people to bring me messages. So, and I've told a lot of people this and, and I've heard people go, I, I, I haven't experienced that. So I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's half the people, maybe it's not, but I have maybe three or four people in my life, really strong, amazing Christian women that if something is out of whack in my life, they, now one of them, mind you, lives in, across the country from me. 
she'll call me up and say, this may sound crazy, but God wants me to tell you X, Y, and Z. And sure enough, she hits the nail on the head every time. Isn't that weird and, how that happens? Like he totally right? does use those people to, to give you yeah. a call when you need sort of just a kick in the pants. And it, it happened recently. Mm. I had a friend of mine say, God told me something to tell you recently and I didn't want to do it, but he keeps telling me to tell you. He wants you to know that you've been selfish lately and you're not going to grow into being the woman that he wants you to be in, in him if you don't take a, a good gut check with this. Mm. So it's very interesting. It's happened more and more in the last few years. And I think because I just, I make myself open to it and there's a few people who've just earned the right to speak into my life and I trust them. So yes, I pray. Yes. You know, I'm in the middle of the entrusted Bible study from Beth Moore and it's, I'm dedicated to it. I want to get in it. It's the first one I'll probably ever finish. I have another Beth Moore study that I kid you not. I started in 2003. I got to week two and I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm all about worship. There's something about music that does something to me. If I'm not in the mood to pray or to read my Bible, I can turn on worship music, and within five minutes, I'm all about it. That's like it, me. It just, I don't yeah, know what it, it is. Sometimes, yeah, I'm not feeling it, but I, it's something mm-hmm. about the songs and the music. I do it in the car, actually. It's like the best place for me. Totally, yeah. So so I think it's a combination of of just being open to it, of leaning into God and saying, what do you want me to do? What's out of whack? How do I bring it back? Because in my own strength, I will literally work myself to death and drive my whole family crazy. But I've tried to put up these little strengthening tools, you know, between prayer and worship and, and just opening myself up to to strong believers who, for some reason, I'm lucky enough for God to to bring words of discipline and encouragement to from occasionally. That's awesome. So you're researching the book, you know, you're thinking through each of the chapters and what was the writing process like for you? Were you like holed up at the library or were you at the coffee shop or were you in the basement, like yelling at the boys to keep it down? Like what was that like for you as you, as you wrote? Oh, the writing process is terrible. I know people talk about <laughs> I it. I always like it's ask because <laughs> it's so different terrible. for everyone. It's so terrible, and, and and I've just turned in the manuscript for my next book, and let me tell you, writing that was even worse. So it, for some reason, it doesn't get easier. I think writing a book, to me, is like punching myself in the nose. The process was interesting because I have a full-time job for Propel, and then I have all my kids. So when I decided I was going to write the first one, my husband and I sat down with the kids, and I said, for the next six months, all Saturdays, I have to write. So I would lock myself in the master bedroom and I would write all day and the kids would get too loud in the living room and I would bang on the wall. And that was their, you know, that was their, their indication that we, we can't let off atomic bombs in the living room because mom has to actually write a chapter. Well, I love so, it too because you're thinking, you know, when you think of authors sitting to write a book, like I do all my writing at the library because it's there's mm-hmm. no, you know, little toddler there that's that's trying to ask me things and there's no husband who's asking me lots of questions and it's quiet and I can be outside. But you have some th- people I think have this vision of writers like it's just this glorious, like calm and tranquil experience it's terrible. where you're putting yourself in exactly the right conditions are perfect and the, the birds are chirping and you're out on a porch <laughs> somewhere and that's totally not what happens. Yeah, you're at a cabin <laughs> by a glistening lake. I love it. It's just totally not what happens. (laughs) No, not at all. And and because I do travel sometimes, my kids really want me to be home. Mm. So for them, they're okay if mom's in the bedroom because they can get to me if something happens. Mm. Even though dad's home, even though everything else, they just like me being in the home. Mm. So I, I just lock myself up in the master bedroom and I do it that way. 
Love it. I was listening to your podcast with Jamie Ivy. It was a couple of episodes for her on the happy hour. And you were talking about the chapter you wrote on fear and being, you know, you put all this time and effort and thought and prayer and everything that goes into writing a book that you want to bless people, you want to encourage people and just to be, you know, this thing that God put inside you out in the world doing good for others. And you talked about just being terrified that, and all of these thoughts, like the enemy can just pour in and just knows exactly how to get at us in whatever, in whatever season or whatever time we're in. But, you know, is the book going to fail? Is it going to embarrass my family? Is it going to let Jesus totally. down? Is it, you know, <laughs> what if it doesn't sell? Like, I'm going to let the publisher down and all the people who are counting me. And just like, I can see it just being this like churning spiral. How did you deal with that when you were writing that, that and, you know, just thinking these really open and honest thoughts about, about being afraid? Well, I wish I had a more pat answer. Something interesting happened. I'll call it interesting. When I was when I was dealing with the fear of of all the things connected with the book. You know, it's writing a book and releasing it. It's like walking in a crowded room naked saying, "Okay, here's here's all my insecurities and vulnerabilities. I'm go ahead and leave anonymous comments on yeah, Amazon. It'll amazing. be great." <laughs> but when the very week the book came out, my husband suffers from adult onset asthma. It started about three years ago. When the book came out, he was so sick the very week it came out that it was the emergency room. It was him not getting enough oxygen. It was. It seemed like my whole life all of a sudden fell apart that week. Mm. And when he was so sick, I forget. I, I literally forgot all the fears that were connected with the book. Like that was the last thing I was thinking about because all I was thinking about was trying to keep my family okay. And what a blessing that was, even though at the time it, it, it was probably really scary. Yes, absolutely. And which which is interesting. I haven't talked about this before, but hey, let's go for it. The next book is actually about fear. It is about how do we overcome it? How do we deal with it? How do we tackle it? Because we as Christian women, especially, how many years do we hear our pastors every Sunday tell us how many times do we read Bible studies that say perfect love cast out fear you know have no fear we know that that the victory is in him we're going to walk boldly and be fearless and sure we feel that way in the moment we may feel that way for a day but what happens when you're worried about you know the book that comes out when you're worried about a sick spouse when you're worried about not being able to pay the bills or a child with a disability what happens then when you're scared? And my my real desire to write this next book, not only telling my story of, of fear, was to speak to women, young and old, to say, just because you're scared doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It does not mean you don't have enough faith. It does not mean you don't love Jesus enough. You just need practical tools. We live this life on a spiritual plane and a very physical plane. And we need, we have the spiritual tools of prayer and worship. We know what Jesus has for us. What about on a physical plane of what do we actually do step by step when we are afraid of rejection, Mm -hmm. when we are afraid of abandonment, when we are afraid of failure? What does that look like? So so that fear that I had that the book would fail, then the fear that I had that our whole family was going to be ripped apart because of this illness took me into the season really 
diving into these these bigger issues and trying to trying to wrestle through them, which is why I say writing the second book was like 10 times worse than the first. I don't know what gets into people writing books. We're crazy. It's, <laughs> it's a crazy process. Amen, sister. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this, I want to ask you too, I mean, and you know, it's not like you're, you know, you're an author full time. You've got a completely full-time job as the executive director of Propel. How has the work you've done as a writer and researching these books and trying to, you know, you know, get this information out for women to be a blessing to them, has that work enhanced or complemented your work at Propel? Like, what's your role like there? And how has the how have those two things sort of intersected in your time doing both? Oh gosh, that's such an interesting question. Well, Here's okay. Here's what I've learned about myself. I think there are lessons that God wants me to learn that I will not learn them unless I have to write a book about it. Like, I think he's like, you woman, you are so stubborn and so rebellious in your own flesh. Like, I'm going to give you a project to do that you can't get away from because you're going to learn these lessons. I feel like when I when I write a book, it's it's as much for me as it is for everybody else, because obviously God wants me to deal with stuff. For me, writing books, it's not so much a benefit to Propel. Propel's really a benefit to me mm. just through the discipleship that I've received from Christine Kane, who's the founder of Propel. She has taught me so much by being able to to learn from her, to watch her go about her life and the lessons she's taught me. I when when my book was coming out, she called me that Saturday morning, I had taken the week off of work to launch the book, but really just to take care of the family. She called me early on a Saturday morning and said, sit down, I need to talk to you. I was in a robe and my hair in a wet towel. I said, well, okay. And she said, listen, you need to understand something now that your book is out in the world. You are taking ground away from the enemy and the devil is going to come after you and he's going to come after Mark and he's going to come after all of those children and you need to start fighting back. You can't hide from this you can't let it pass by. You can't hide in the corner. You've got to take this seriously and understand you're on the front lines for Jesus now. And I start crying. And I'm bawling. And I'm like, Chris, I haven't told you, but Mark's so sick this week. Everything's terrible. And I'm just blubbering to her. And she's she basically is like, I know. Like, like she didn't say it but, it, but God told her to call me because this was going on. And she said, I'm calling you to remind you to fight. We are in a battle and the devil is trying to take people out and you've got to stand up and fight for your family and fight for everything that matters to you. Oh, and I said, all I right. That's so much. It's like, it's not, I mean, that's so important though too, because it's not, you think, okay, I'm going to write this book and I'm just going to put this information out there and I'm just, I'm going to do my job. And you don't think about it like that. Like there are going to be attacks. It is a battle. There, there are going to be I mean, serious challenges that you're going to have to overcome. And it really does test your faith in the Lord. Totally. And the more kingdom work you do, kingdom work, and kingdom work doesn't necessarily look like writing a book. Kingdom work is raising your children. Kingdom work is teaching a group of second graders. Kingdom work is volunteering at church. Whatever kingdom work you do, the more the enemy is going to come and try to take you down. Mm -hmm. And when we live our lives and pretend that that, isn't accurate. It's no wonder we live in fear and we live so busy and we feel defeated and we feel burnt out because we are in a war every day that most of us are trying to pretend we're not in. It's so true. This new book, and I know we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I mean, what can you tell us about it? When's it coming out? When can we expect <laughs> I have no to idea. see it? Yeah. Are you still working on it? Is Are you like in no. the middle of the writing? 
It's done. It's, it's done. done. Okay. Current, and I hope, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Hopefully January, 2018, I, I kind of, I, I literally, I, I, Breaking Busy came out and I called the publisher and I said, I know what the next book's going to be. I need to go ahead and do it because I'm in the middle of a dark, dark time in my life with these struggles with my husband's illness. And I said, I need to write this from a place of me being raw. So I just went ahead and got it done. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. We don't even have a for sure title yet, but I'm really, I'm really hoping that it'll bless people. We are too. And I think too, I mean, even just the subject of fear, it's so easy to say, don't be afraid. And the Bible says, don't be afraid like so many times. And it's just, it's hard because it's, you are afraid. You know, you can't just like make your fear go away. It's about processing it and thinking through it and praying through it and getting, getting yourself pressed up right against the Lord so that you can be bold and be brave and be all the things that he created you to be, but with his help. Gosh, that book is so needed. I can't wait for it to come out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just, my, my, my biggest goal at the beginning was, hey, I I think we have a a generation of women walking around feeling moderately guilty for their own fear, which makes it even worse. Like talk about compounding negative emotions. Like we, we have to tackle that. We don't need to feel guilt. It's not that we don't love Jesus enough. It's just that we're living in a world where we, we are being attacked every day. Like let's, understand what we're up against and get strong together. I love it so much. Allie, I can't believe we're almost out of time. This has gone lightning fast. It has. So to wrap up our episode, we do something Mm -hmm. called the scoop. It's three rapid fire questions just at the end of the episode. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. Obviously, our podcast is called Heroes for Her. We're all about heroes. When you were a little girl, who was your hero? Okay. This is going to sound so crazy. I'm from East Tennessee. So growing up, my hero literally was Dolly Parton. I mean, she had fabulous hair. Everything she wore was rhinestones. And for us growing up and for all the girls growing up in East Tennessee, like we looked at her like she's amazing. She grew up dirt poor. She worked hard. She became this great entertainer. But then she invested all of her time and resources and money back into the community where she grew up. Even now, back home suffered wildfires where hundreds of people lost their homes recently. And the day after the fire, she announced that every family who lost their home, she was giving them $1,000 a month, I think, for the next six months. So, I saw that. So unbelievable. Yeah. Even now, she's, she's still kind of a hero to me. I just I think she's the best. So awesome. Second question, what is a piece of advice that you've received that has been powerful and impacted your life in some way? Mm, it's my, uh, my mom. So when I was, it was really a question she gave me, uh, when I was maybe 24, 25, she said, honey, when you see a young girl walking by you and she is beautiful and cause mind you, when I was 24, 25, I already had two kids. She's beautiful. You know, everything's perfect about her. Do you look at her like she's competition or do you look at her and think, you go, girl, you you know, you look wonderful today. I thought about it for a minute and I said, well, I, I think you go, girl. And she said, congratulations, you have become a woman. And she explained, the minute we look at other women, especially younger women, women who may be more, more youthful and, you know, have more collagen than we have at the time, the minute we look at them and we're happy for them and we're like, you go, girl, is the minute we go from a girl to a woman. Oh, I love that. And I love that because it's about the transition. That's We talk about that so much. And I mean, what we're doing at Bible Bells has to do with a very, a much younger age group than what, what you guys are doing. But 
it, gosh, that makes so much sense going from a girl to a woman and just talking about the level of maturity that takes. And to be able to pull your mind out of that spirit of competition and comparison, yeah. and just where we live a lot of the time. Third question, mm-hmm. if you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Oh, my son who is into all the Marvel movies. We talk about this all the time. He would have super speed, but I'm going to have to say that I think I would rather be more like Iron Man who doesn't necessarily have a superpower, but is super smart and can make the cool superpower suit. Like I don't, I don't want to be invisible. I don't want super speed, but I'd like to be able to like make the coolest things in the world. So I have a whole bunch of different skills. I like that one too. And he's the one that kind of has an attitude. Like yeah, Tony Stark, he's kind of like too. a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little healthy attitude is okay. Yeah. <laughs> Allie, where is the best place for people to find you, check you out and just find out more about your books and what you're doing with Propel and just everything that you have going on? Sure. I pretty much live on Instagram. So I'm just at Allie Worthington on Instagram. And then I have a lot of great resources for free on my site at AllieWorthington.com. Awesome. Allie, it's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for being on with us. Thanks for having me. It's okay to not be okay. This is a safe Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed our conversation, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, thoughts about the episode, or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls, we would absolutely love to hear from you. You can email us at hello at biblebells.com. Just let